This is a podcast from the Business Times. Welcome to Property BT, a podcast series by the Business Times. I'm Senior Correspondent Leslie Yee, and I'll be your host as we gather insights on all things Singapore property to help you in your property investment journey. As we approach the end of 2023, there is strife in various parts of the world. Even with economic uncertainties, we should treasure the peace we enjoy in Singapore. Compared to the not-too-distant past of COVID movement restrictions, we can also look forward to enjoying year-end overseas holidays. The emergence from the COVID pandemic has seen vastly contrasting fortunes for Singapore residential properties and Singapore-listed real estate investment trusts or REITs. Residential properties have done well. Prices of housing and development bought, as well as private homes, have surged. But with REITs, it has generally been a tale of woe. Prices have plummeted. The chief culprit is probably rising interest rates. REITs suffer from a triple whammy. One, higher financing costs hit distribution income. Two, valuation suffers from use of higher capitalization rates. Three, investors have alternatives in other yield instruments. Singapore REITs have been around for over two decades. Are REITs still good alternatives to physical property? Let's dive into this topic with a guru in the field. Gabriel Yap is a veteran REIT investor who writes and comments extensively on this subject. Gabriel chairs GCP Capital. Gabriel is not one to hold back punches when it comes to deciphering the good, bad and ugly in the REIT world. Gabriel, coming out of the COVID pandemic, why have REITs underperformed physical property, especially homes? Thanks, Leslie, for having me. Essentially, the REIT's performance is rather predictable because it's a matter of how interest rates move. REITs basically have a very high tendency to trade inversely related with interest rates movements. We've seen this before in the period between 2004 to 2006 when interest rates increase. At that time, there were only a couple of REITs, like four REITs listed in Singapore, but the four REITs also suffered correspondingly. And then during the period between December 2015 right up to 20th of December 2018, REITs also suffered a second beating when interest rates went up. So this time around, interest rates going up faster, longer, helped REITs at a severe situation to the extent that a normal correction in the REITs market, a drawdown of about 12 to 14%. This that we are seeing now is down by 27%. This is the sharpest correction in Singapore's 21-year REIT history, minus the global financial crisis, COVID-19 crisis. As we speak now, in November 2023, we are already in the uh, 22nd month of REIT's correction. Gabriel, 22 months of REIT correction. Wow, I still own REITs. When prices fall, I do feel upset. Still, I have not given up entirely on the sector. I blame my own stubbornness for this irrational behaviour. Perhaps there's time for some venting. I do get frustrated by some of the stuff REIT managers get up to. There are mergers that appear to be value-destructive. There are capital-raising exercises that do damage to unit prices. We have REITs that hit financial difficulties. Manulife US REIT had to suspend payment of distribution. EC World REIT has suspended from trading. Maybe investors in general are losing faith in REITs as good investment instruments? Gabriel, some REITs have done value-destructive moves of capital raising, merging, etc. And some REITs have just blown up. Is this sector still worth investing in? 
it's basically going to depend on one's time period. My greatest fear is that we reach a situation where the US rate market is stone blocked during the savings and loan crisis, 1980s. One third of the saving and loan institutions actually fell, were not able to be salvaged. That hit the interest rate market because the interest rate went up double digit. It sent the REITs in the US down for almost a decade before some semblance of salvage you know, started to come in. So I'm hoping this situation does not repeat in the Singapore REIT market because when REIT investors are being hit so heavily as of now, the call really for individual investors is a psychological, mental and a physiological aspect that this toll brings down. And you thought that when the worst is over, you go in, you average down as what the so-called experts tell you to do, you get whack again. And this has been happening for the last 22 months. We have six to seven mini corrections within this minor downdraft. So this major downdraft is actually down 27%. But each of these mini downdraft, the swings can be as high as 30%. So if you are a simple investor looking for REITs to buy to earn one, income, two, a capital return, and three, even overseas investors. Now that seems to be okay for the last 19 years until this last two years. So that has shaken the mood that REITs are very consistent delivering instruments. But in actual fact, this has not turned out to be. Gabriel, I guess I couldn't agree more. Averaging down can be very painful if the market keeps going down. I think knowing one's history matters. Still, investors have to look forward. They also need to be somewhat optimistic. What goes up can come down. What comes down can presumably go up. Maybe REITs have been sold down to such an extent that things can only get better. But then the sector could continue to languish. Interest rates look likely to remain high for some time. Getting back investor confidence in REITs can be tough. Let's get some advice on the outlook for REITs. Gabriel, over the next 6 to 12 months, how will REITs perform? And what are your favourite names and sectors? I'm only looking towards the end of next year for a favourable REIT market rebound. One that is sustainable, you know, like what we saw in 2019, when the Federal Reserve finally held its last rate increase. Then the market in the REIT sector started to move up in a sustainable way right up to 19 of February 2020. That was actually the day before the COVID-19 pandemic hit the market. If you're looking for that kind of a REIT market move, then I would only see that happening in the second half of next year. Now, this is premised on a few things. One is that the uh, interest rates holding higher for longer will come to an end. The Federal Reserve is most likely to guide that the higher for longer episode will remain for the first half of this year until a few things happen. One is that the labour market conditions continue to soften. Two, the housing prices comes down. And three, the sticky inflation numbers that the Fed actually relies on continues down in a sustainable way. A sustainable increase will only come in the second half of next year. The REITs that basically have maintained well since its history of listing, these are 
managements that have a few capabilities, a few commonalities in view. One is in times of market conditions like this, they take the view that it's not wise to be really expanding your balance sheet, going to the REIT market to actually ask investors to eke out new funds to buy at new lows when asset prices are actually falling, irrespective of how good the asset can be or how the yields can be. Two is that if these same managers have helped the REIT going into this downturn in maintaining their balance sheet well, gearing ratios well below 40%, the cost of funds not increasing by more than 100 basis points in the last two years, as well as actually an interest cover of less than five times. So within this category, there are few REITs that look resilient in this respect, capital land integrated commercial trusts, a good play on retail and commercial property in Singapore. Office properties overseas, unfortunately, has not delivered. Not a foolproof, 100% greenfield runner in that respect. But in all respects, compared to the other 39 REITs in the market, it's one of the better ones that's being managed. The second one is actually Capital Land Ascenders REIT. It has tentacles spread into Asia, Australia, the US, as well as in Europe, trying to grow its cluster of data centers, a particular field which I think will do fairly well, resilient, because investors have learned that when they paid premium prices for capital DC REIT, for example, and when these REITs basically come to a testing point and they cannot can fail to deliver the share price, drawdown, you know, on Capital DC can vary sharp. You know, for example, Capital DC was smashed now from $3 down to $1.60 during this current route because data centers did deliver, but they did not deliver as what investors expected. So earnings expectation counts. The third read, which has not underperformed, which therefore I think is time for it to perform with a high margin of safety, Fraser Center Point Trust. In Singapore, there's not much to do. The weather is very hot all the time, even in, December, in, in the month of November and December. So most of us would hide out in the malls. And if you have kids, we bring our kids to the malls for educational and playground. Perhaps all is not lost with Singapore REITs. Choose the right names and maybe one can do fine. But exercise some patience too. After all, from your perspective, you're looking more for the end of next year before the sector really starts to recover on a more sustainable basis. Personally, I do hope interest rates will adjust down somewhat in the near future. High interest rates do hurt consumers and businesses across the board at a time when economic growth is weak in many places. However, where interest rates go is difficult to forecast. The room for downward adjustment can be limited if inflation remains high. Still to come, are REITs good investments for retirees and young persons? Learn to protect and grow your wealth with BT Wealth editor Genevieve Kwa in her monthly podcast series, every fourth Monday of the month, with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to Property BT from the Business Times. When it comes to getting exposure to Singapore property, one can do so directly by buying a property. However, with residential property, there's hefty additional buyer stamp duty for Singapore citizens buying second and subsequent units. One could also buy strata commercial property, but strata-owned buildings may struggle to be competitive. One can also get Singapore property exposure by buying REITs, which own high-quality malls, office buildings, warehouses, hotels, etc. And with REITs, one enjoys the benefit of having professionals manage the underlying properties. Gabriel, what property asset class in Singapore excites you and what will you avoid? 
what are the big real estate opportunities overseas? For the very first part, retail malls in the local context because Singapore is really very small. In Singapore, that's very limited other than industrial as well as retail sector. So these are the two sectors within the local market that I'm pretty interested in. Far more resilient compared to the other sectors. For overseas then, it's pretty exciting because within Eastern Europe, for example, one particular aspect that stands out is retail parks. I think Singapore investors are really familiar with logistics park. For example, Fraser Logistics Trust has logistics park in the UK, but retail parks, you know, the lights of the mall in Florentina. So, for example, if you are looking to buy the named luxury items, these are actually outlet malls that you can go into. They have done very well in the lights of, for example, Montevraci, Florentina, Milan, Spain, Boca Village, Barcelona. But what is actually happening now is that these developments are spread to Eastern Europe, like Slovenia, Slovakia, entering the Euro zone and therefore being treated in Euro is actually a good up for the retail market over there. The second aspect that I'm very interested in is student lodging, particularly in the UK, in the US. One of the key areas that we look at nearness, the amenities nearby, the big renowned universities, for example, uh, University of uh, Chicago in Chicago area, on the eastern seaboard, MIT area, Cambridge. And within the UK, areas where London School of Economics, Cambridge, Oxford are in, fairly resilient in terms of the rental yield. And then the third aspect, real estate that we're looking at is longer stay accommodation. Riverbridge hotels in Japan, not only just extending lease periods of a couple of nights, but over a period of a week, a two, slightly share discount. It's a little bit like co-living, but it's within a hotel or hostel premises, which is managed professionally. In Melbourne, car parks has been very resilient for the last two decades. Gabriel, I suppose focusing on resilience really matters, given all this uncertainty there's really still a range of opportunities out there. I am over 50. I'm what the Prime Minister calls a young senior. Singapore's population is rapidly ageing. Retirement adequacy is a big issue. When one retires, one will need to live off passive income. One can hopefully get enough passive income to allow one to lead a high quality of life. This can be challenging as people live longer and inflation is high. Are REITs good investment instruments for retirees? and good alternatives to buying physical property? Certainly, yes, particularly in countries where real estate tends to be very high. If you notice the development of the REIT market, we at GCP Global basically were involved in consultation work for some of the Chinese REITs that were launched, as well as the Indian REITs that were launched, especially in areas like Mumbai, Bangalore, where prices have gone up very, very high, or are relatively high as compared to, say, other places like Pune or Andhra Pradesh. That's a high propensity for people to invest in alternatives. And REITs actually fit into this category very nicely. For Singapore investors, most people will tend to decipher more clearly after the painful lesson learned in the last two years that REITs basically, one, you have to read the interest rate market well. Two, even in bad times, even a good, well-managed REIT can sometimes suffer a huge drawdown, not because there's anything wrong, fundamentally wrong with the businesses that they have, not because there's fundamentally anything wrong with the assets that they own, not because management is not doing well, just because of collateral damage. You know, speculation is an art, is as old as the molehill. So study it well and you will make a lot of money from that. 
It's very interesting that wheat markets are taking off in so many parts of Asia. While Singapore has been a market lead in this sector, uh, perhaps there are lessons from the Singapore market that can be learned from these other markets, and these other markets may well grow enormously in size. At the other end of the age spectrum, young people are told to start investing early. With a longer runway, maybe more risks can be taken. And with the compounding effect, perhaps one can build wealth from investing over the years. However, there's so much choice out there in the investment world. How does the risk and reward of buying REITs stack up? Should REITs be a core part of investment portfolios for the young? Many of us aspire for the financial freedom that someone like Gabriel has achieved. Let's see what Gabriel thinks of investing in REITs as a means to building wealth. And how should one go about building expertise and wealth from investing in REITs? For me, everything is about timing, knowing the development of the REITs market. You can always make big money in early stages of development. As we enter the third decade era of Singapore REITs market, the gains will be muted, far more moderate. A lot of the gains is no longer going to come from capital gains. It's going to come from steady income. Within the Singapore market, there are actually a lot of family offices that are set up in Singapore. And they are actually very interested in knowing REITs and understanding REITs and to actually continue to get sustainable income in strong Singapore dollar. So if your sources of funds are actually, for example, from China or India, where the exchange rate on a relative basis you know, is rather weak compared to the Singapore dollar, you can find a lot of people actually coming in to buy REITs more for the stable income. For a young investor, you probably miss out the strong gains on the capital market, but you can make income from that. Remember, the market's about narrative. Smart investors like ourselves, we always look at the numbers and whether the narrative overplayed the numbers. Very sound advice. I guess like with most things, we have to be always alert, careful, get ourselves educated. Investing is not an easy game. Unfortunately, one cannot invest with the benefit of hindsight. Still, just as studying hard ensures better chances of getting good academic grades, being educated in investing can help increase one's chances of success in investing. Singapore can be proud of its development as a REIT hub, but challenges abound for REITs. There are questions of operational and financial resilience, there are questions over growth strategies. Hopefully, REITs are here to stay. The Singapore REIT framework is good, and some REITs are backed by strong sponsors. The challenge against a difficult backdrop is for REITs to deliver solid returns to both individual and institutional investors. I will end with a public service message to REIT managers. Listen to investors and take care of their needs. Please prioritise investor needs. Thank you to my guest, Gabriel Yap, Singapore's REIT guru. Thank you, Leslie. That's it for this edition of Property BT. Do join us for the next episode where we dive into the hot trend of chasing after restriction light HDB resale flats in choice locations. Soon many HDB flats in choice locations will be classified as plus or prime flats. With these flats, minimum occupation period is 10 years. There are also tighter restrictions on such flats versus existing HDB flats in sought-after locations. Is it a no-brainer then? to hunt for restriction-like HDB flats in choice locations? I'm Leslie Yee. Thank you for listening and happy property hunting. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. 
please consult professional advisors for independent advice.